We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Chicago Bears select. Welcome to Picks for Polls, presented by the Bear Report. Your number one source for everything Chicago Bears draft news, analysis, scouting reports, and more. Presented by Blue Wire Pods. And now, making their way to the podium, Andrew Freeman and Usaid Koshal. Welcome to Picks for Polls, a Chicago Bears draft podcast presented by the Bear Report and Blue Wire Pods. My name is Andrew Freeman, and of course, I'm happy to be joined by my co-host, Yusei Koshal. We are recording this episode on Wednesday, April 6th, as we are officially in draft month, uh, the official month of the draft here in April. Uh, Yusei, how are we doing today, man? I am doing well. It's exciting. The NFL draft is, I think, three weeks away at this point. So, yeah, there's a lot going on, you know, league-wide in terms of couple trades and stuff that have kind of shaken up the draft board certainly altered the outlook of what the draft board could look like so yeah it's still an exciting time I know the news for the Bears right now has kind of died down with the last major addition to the roster being Dane Crookshank a defensive back but other than that I'm doing well I'm excited as well to get this episode going yeah absolutely I mean you talk about that draft trade we won't get too far into the weeds of that but uh, the Saints making a play uh, with the Eagles here uh, they get two first-round picks in this draft, really shaking up, I think, the middle of the first round here. You know, could they be looking to get up for a quarterback? Could they uh, be looking to fill a couple of needs in the middle of the first round? Uh, very interesting deal that was made there. But I think you made a good point bringing up uh, Dan Crookshank here for the Bears, adding to that uh, defensive back group that was a major sore spot, I thought, for the Bears uh, last season. Uh, it's been a declining group for them overall ever since 2018 when they let, let guys like Adrian Amos go. Um, they haven't really uh, replaced uh, a guy like Kyle Fuller. You could all, although you could argue that Jalen Johnson was kind of a replacement for Kyle Fuller. But yeah, it's been an interesting offseason for the Bears in terms of addressing uh, the defensive back group because you know you look at where they went into this offseason. There were a lot of questions about cornerback and they're posing safety next to Eddie Jackson they really haven't done much uh, to address either group they re-signed uh, DeAndre Hussein Carson uh, to a one-year deal they signed Dan Krushank who's kind of a nice solid piece as a bigger physical defensive back who can man up tight ends and um, maybe he can 
you know, earn a starting spot next to Eddie Jackson is more of that in the box guy. Um, although I'm not sure if he's a natural fit for that. He's kind of a weird fit, um, but I'm interested to see what he brings to the table. But quarterback has been a position that hasn't really been addressed here. We knew this was a big need for this Bears team going into the offseason. And uh, it's been, like you said, it's been very quiet in the Bears front ever since the first couple of weeks of this offseason. It seems like ever since the Ryan Bates uh, whole fiasco of, you know, where the Bears going to sign him with the Bills match the offer sheet and you know, they ended up did matching the offer sheet ever since then. And it's been completely quiet, dead silence. I feel like from the Bears brass on free agency. And I think they're fully prepared to go into this draft um, looking to address these needs that we're talking about here at wide receiver, cornerback, offensive line. I think they're fully prepared to address these things in the draft and then maybe try to fill in some holes afterwards in free agency with whoever else is available after the draft. So um, very interesting to where we get where we get to it here. And then the reason I bring up cornerback so much is that as we get closer and closer to the draft, we are continuing our prospect preview series or our position group preview series for this 2022 NFL draft. And uh, today we're going to be covering a huge, like I said before, a huge area of need for the Bears roster. And that is cornerback. You know, you look at the way this roster is set up right now, you have Jalen Johnson who um, is an established starter on one side, but the other outside corner, you know, last year, Kendall Vildor got the nod and he was not very good in 2021. In fact, he was one of the worst starting cornerbacks in the NFL, although I'm not sure that's really his fault when he kind of had to be the starter by default because Ryan Pace just neglected the position altogether last offseason. Um, and then, you know, you have some other guys in this roster like Thomas Graham. He shows some promising things as a sixth round pick. Late last season, I thought, I'm not sure how the new staff is going to view him, though, whether he's an outside guy, whether he's an uh, inside guy, nickel. Um, you know, Duke Shelley is still in the roster as a nickelback. So certainly um, some young guys in this roster, but there's not a, a ton of proven talent. And it leaves me to suspect that quarterback is going to be a position that um, is going to be heavily addressed or, is it, you know, it's something that is going to be addressed in this upcoming draft. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I definitely think that the Bears have three picks in the top 100 for the first time since 2018, and they have to have to have to come away with a cornerback with one of those three picks. It's certainly interesting because when we look at this cornerback class as a whole, I mean, it's not as deep as it's kind of been in recent years, but then again, there's still a lot of really solid talent available. And again, for the Bears, you know, you mentioned Kendall Vildor. I mean, I've said this multiple times on the show is that I think what's going to happen is the bears are going to rely on Eberflus's track record of being able to coach up these defensive backs along with the defensive coordinator, Alan Williams in an effort to kind of get the best out of this positional group. Because when we look at Kendall Wilder, it's like the bears tried to have him play as an outside cornerback last year, when in reality, he was just his more natural position is basically as a slot cornerback. I mean, I mean, the Bears have tried to address this position over the last couple seasons by drafting guys in the fifth, sixth, seventh round. You look at Duke Shelley 2019, Kendall Vildor in 2020, Thomas Graham Jr. in 2021. And again, Graham Jr. is the only one out of that group that I think is still such an unproven commodity. But I think he did showcase enough to really warrant having a shot at a starting gig at some point in 2022. But ultimately for the Bears, it, 
also would not hurt them to just figure out who that long-term option is going to be alongside Jalen Johnson. Because when we look at the way that the market is progressing for cornerbacks and wide receivers, we have to understand something is that these cornerbacks are getting expensive and, you know, you can't necessarily buy the massive deal that JC Jackson signed this off season was kind of an indication that you can buy a cornerback through the free agent necessarily mean that, those results are necessarily going to pan out. So for the Bears, I mean, cornerback's so important. They need to get this figured out and give Jalen Johnson another legitimate running mate. And as good as Jalen Johnson is, it's, it's like we also have to understand is that the days of only having one lockdown corner are now over in the NFL. You know, these teams like the Bucks, the Rams even I'll throw in there. They've all shown us that if you want to have a great pass coverage unit in the NFL, you better have – two really good cornerbacks in some cases, even three really good cornerbacks. Yeah. Cornerback is a position where it is not enough to have, you know, a couple of good starters. Like you need to have, you just need to continue to throw resources at the position because with the way offenses are now in the modern NFL, where, you know, teams are spreading out more, they're using more multiple wide receiver sets, you know, three wide receivers, four wide receivers, you know, the fact that cornerbacks typically get injured and nicked up throughout the course of the season, um, you know, you need depth of, you know, quality talent at that position. And the only way you're going to be able to solve that is to continually address and, and invest in that group. And, you know, the Bears haven't really done it in recent years, obviously the second round pick of Jalen Johnson, but, um, and a couple of day three flyers, but, you know, they really haven't, you know, gone out and spent a ton of money uh, in free agency to address the problem. They haven't, they've had chances to, you know, invest in the secondary higher in the draft multiple times and they haven't really done it as well. So it's one of those things where, you know, quarterback is extremely valuable for defenses here in the modern NFL. And I get that, you know, Eberflus coming in with more of a zone based system, uh, more of a cover two, cover four um, based, you know, scheme here is, you know, quarterback is a little bit different in terms of what he's being asked to do in his scheme and may not be as important as, you know, man based schemes or, um, you know, man match games necessarily, but, it, you know, having guys that can cover, you know, and having that, that position at that position, I still think is very important. I think the bears recognize that's important. I think they're going to be aggressive to fill this need in the draft. And um, I mean, like you mentioned here, I think this class is a, is a very interesting one to kind of do that with, because you kind of said it, the, the lack of depth, the depth in this class is not, I think as great as, um, I think it was hyped up to be maybe going into the year. Like when we went into this year, um, I, at least for me, I thought this was going to be a generate, like not generational, but a really fantastic cornerback class. Now it is a very good cornerback class, especially at the top, but you get into the third, fourth, fifth round. Um, the well starts to dry up a little bit. I think in terms of value here, there are some interesting athletic pieces to kind of look at here. Some athletic guys who are a little bit raw that you can take a, a chance on, but um you know, in terms of proving guys, that I think can step in right away and start. I mean, as it is in most drafts, the first two rounds, I think, are going to be key here for teams looking to address it. And you look at the Bears and where this lines up for them. They have two second round picks uh, and they have an early third round pick. So you would assume that, you know, with wide receiver, offensive line and quarterback being the three major needs for this team going into this draft, that, you know, one of those picks will go towards a cornerback. And, you know, it should match up value-wise for them, depending on who they select. Now, it'll be interesting because they may value things differently here. Um, we know that, 
in the way that Ryan Poles has kind of detailed like what he's looking for in players to bring in that uh, you know explosive athleticism um, freak show athletes I think is, is something that he's going to be emphasizing here and Iberflus you look at him again more of a zone scheme one of the important factors in his zone scheme is having cornerbacks with very good length that can get into passing lanes and passing windows and things of that nature break up passes uh, underneath so um, just some things to think about here as we get into this thing but um, you know, what are your final thoughts on, you know, this quarterback class as a whole before we really get into our top five guys here as we start to break this down? Yeah, so I know that there's, and I've kind of said this, right, but there may be a lack of depth, but I also think that when the well starts to dry up, there's certainly going to be some intriguing pieces that you look at that do have a certain amount of upside. And I'm not saying any of those guys that the bears could possibly look to draft on late day two, some point in day three are going to become these generational type talents, but there could be enough there, enough talent and upside there to warrant those guys just becoming solid starters. And, you know, when I talk about the concept of solid starters, we have to understand some things that the league's now trending just more and more towards this kind of throw all your money and resources into the offense and just rely on good coaching to be able to develop players on the defensive side of the ball. Now, obviously, you still need a defense to go ahead and win games and kind of keep you in games, keep the other explosive offense from scoring points. But then again, you know, Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus, they both come from these teams that basically found hidden gems on day two and three of the draft. And then especially on day three, I think, and we're just willing to go ahead and develop those guys like Traverius Ward's one of the most recent names that comes to mind. He, to my knowledge, was not necessarily even a high draft pick, but then he went ahead and all of a sudden, you know, was able to, basically become a really solid starter for the Chiefs. And he just got paid this offseason San Francisco 49ers. So, you know, it all comes down to just developing and recognizing talent. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, certainly the development and the coaching aspect of this, of this is important as well. But once again, what matters at the end of the day is, you know, how talented these prospects are, where they're going to address this thing, and what are they looking for in a cornerback prospect, prospect here as we get into the stretch. Once again, I expect this to be a position where the Bears are going to invest heavily in, but we can talk about a little bit more of that here at the end of the podcast. Uh, let's get into our top five cornerbacks for this 2022 draft class. And you say, I'll start with you. Go through your list of your top five guys. 
Um, go down the line here for your best corners in this class. Yeah, so my number one guy is going to be Ahmad Sauce Gardner from Cincinnati, and he just seems to be the consensus number one guy for everybody. I think when you look at Sauce Gardner, what you're getting is the best cornerback prospect that people and the NFL draft has seen in probably recent years. Now, you look at him, he's very tall. He's about 6'3", so he's taller than the average corner, right around 190, 195 pounds. He's incredibly lengthy prospect as well, got really long arms. You know, I think that he's got really good coverage skills. I think he excels more in zone coverage because of his long arms than he does in man coverage, but also got really solid ball skills. I don't think he's allowed a touchdown in, I believe it was 1,300-something snaps throughout his college career. You know what? As a tackler, Sauce Gardner is able to play with and tackle with really good technique, but then also just bring the cornerback, I'm sorry, the ball carriers down with ease, bringing physicality to the position. And so when you look at him overall, he's just a really smart, instinctive player that I think is one of the most complete overall prospects in this cornerback class. And the number two, you have a guy that a lot of people originally had labeled as cornerback one in this class before Sauce Gardner just burst onto the scene, took over, but it's Derek Stingley Jr. from LSU. I know LSU sent some really good talent, both on offense and defense, to the NFL draft over the last couple of years. They have yet to send a stud cornerback, and I think this is one of those guys from the 2019 championship team that's certainly going to go ahead and a, be a plug-and-play player at the NFL level from day one. Now, I would say that he's another tall, lengthy cornerback, you know, really long arms. I think he can play basically anywhere on the field. You know, I would argue this too, is that when you look at him overall, just what I saw is that he's got really good speed, really good hips, good footwork, is able to change direction with ease. Number three is a player that I don't think is getting as much hype as he should and that's simply because he did have sports hernia surgery. But when healthy, I think Andrew Blue Jr. from Clemson showcased physicality. He was a solid run defender, really good ball skills, as well as just the athleticism and the kind of instincts that he showcased on tape throughout his time at Clemson. There's not a hard, it's not hard to see why a lot of people had him as one of the top cornerbacks going into this draft I would say that he can play on the bound but also kick inside if needed and then also really solid ball skills number four is a player that a lot of Bears fans seemingly are high on today as we record this on Wednesday April 6th it's Roger McCreary from Auburn I think just with McCreary overall he's fast he's you know 5'11 so he's got I think it's like 30 something inch arm so really good athlete. Um, I think that he is smart and instinctive, really physical too, and plays with a certain nastiness to his game. And then number five is Trent McDuffie from Washington. I think he's got, he's overall a solid athlete and he is an aggressive tackler, but I also think that there are times where he kind of breaks down in zone coverage, but overall he's just so solid in both zone and man. And then he's got Okay, ball skills, not necessarily the best in this class, but overall, McDuffie's a name where there's enough there to warrant him being a day one starter and having a long career in the NFL. Yeah, as of right now, for me, I, first of all, 
Uh, a couple of players that didn't make my list uh, for top five that I want to talk about that were on your list here. Roger McCreary, um, very talented man-to-man cover corner. I think was a second round talent. Um, you know, it, it was funny. He, he was quoted as saying that he's literally never played uh, zone coverage before in his, in his life. So he's a very specific player in terms of if, you, if you're a man type of team and you want to get a cornerback that can stick with guys in man-to-man, Roger McCurry is your guy. Now he's got below average length and the testing numbers don't necessarily pop off the screen, but uh, he's just, he, he's a definition of very good football player. So I just want to mention that uh, before I get into my top five, but in terms of uh, as we get to my number one guy here, I agree. I sauce Gardner um, as my number one guy I, I, as well as Cincinnati. Um, just, you know, he's just ridiculous in terms of the height and the length that he has and brings that to the table. I think he's perfect for that, you know, that Seattle style cover three style of defense where, you know, he can press the line of scrimmage using his length. And then um, he's very agile for a guy of his size to be able to drop back into his own coverage, to stick with guys in man-to-man coverage, um, you know, being able to flip the hips like he can. Um, very impressive. I mean, I think, I think the only question marks for me going into this process were, you know, one, he looked a little bit slight in frame for me on tape. And you can tell it at times that when he's going to tackle guys, well, he's not afraid to play physically. He just doesn't bring a lot of pop to the table because he's just very light. It's, it seems to me. Um, so that's still a question mark, but I think going from a program like Cincinnati to an NFL weight room could fix that a little bit. I think he could beef up uh, in the NFL, but uh, for a lot of scouts, the big knock on him, or at least a big question mark for him was, what is this guy's speed? What is he going to run in the 40-yard dash? Because, you know, a taller corner like him, he doesn't have to be the fastest guy ever, but um, you certainly don't want, you know, slow corners in the in this, in the NFL, especially now with how fast these wide receivers are. And I think the cutoff for most uh, teams is 4-6. If you're below 4-6, you know, that's good enough to play in the NFL level for cornerback. Well, not only did Ahmad Garner get below that 4-6 benchmark, but he ran a 4-4-40 uh, at the scouting combine. So not only is this guy tall, he's long, he's got above average agility for a guy at his type of body type, and then he is fast as well. Like not just fast for his size, like he's fast. So he checks all the boxes for me. You watch him play. Uh, he's very sticky in man coverage. Didn't give up a touchdown his entire college career, which is just incredible. Uh, the, the consistency year after year after year uh, is just very impressive. I mean, he didn't just do this against small school wide receivers either that probably aren't going to be making much of an impact in the NFL. Like when he was in opportunities uh, in big moments uh, against the Georgias, against Alabama this past year, uh, he, he came to play and he shut down his wide receivers matchups that uh, he was asked to do. So I, I think Sauce Gardner, I have him as an early first round grade. He's one of my five first round grades in this class at the cornerback spot. Um, I, I think he's going to go high. I would, I would be personally, I would be fine spending a top five pick on him in this draft class. I think he's that good. I think he's an impact player from day one. And I think he's going to be a pro bowl caliber player for you for a long time. Uh, now my number two guy, this is somebody I went back and forth on. It's probably similar to you in terms of, you know, Derek Stingley out of LSU is my number two player at the quarterback spot. Um, again, I went back and forth on this because Derek Stingley, you'll go back and watch his 2019 tape, arguably the greatest season, a cornerback, in, in this era over the last 10 years or so of college football has had in the past 10 years or so for an entire season. Uh, he was ridiculous in 2019. He was a huge reason why uh, LSU was so dominant, um, not only because of Joe Burrow on the offense, but because he was just a shutdown corner for them 
on defense throughout that entire national championship run. Um, you know, this is a guy that has legitimate all pro shutdown corner, you know, Darrell Rivas, Richard Sherman type of upside here. Um, I think he has the highest upside in this class, even more than Gardner, but his floor is a little bit lower. And because of that, and the reason I say that is um, I just feel like his year to year consistency wasn't tight. Wasn't really there in 2020 and 2021. You know, he was good when he, you know, he played in those years, but you know, he dealt with some injury issues over the past couple of years. Um, he didn't play with the same sort of uh, shutdown mentality, I thought, over the past couple of years. And, um, you know, I, I personally think that he's going to be fine once he gets to the NFL. But there is some question there. You know, quarterback is a volatile position in terms of year to year performance, because a lot of it depends on, you know, just on who you match up with and, and scheme and what teams you're going up against, what offenses you're going up against, all that type of thing. But Stingley is truly a gifted corner. Again, I have an early first round grade on him as well. Um, I, I think he's going to be a stud from day one. Again, there is a little bit of question in terms of uh, the medicals for me, the health issues, and um, whether you know that lack of consistency the last couple of years uh, will drag him down for some teams. But overall, big fan of Derek Stingley. Early first round grade for me. He's my number two corner. At number three, um, I have Trent McDuffie out of Washington. Now, uh, Trent McDuffie uh, is an interesting player because if you just look at him, he's a bit of an undersized guy. So you would think that for a lot of teams that he would be a slot corner uh, in the NFL, but not for me. I, I think he's somebody that can fit on the outside, uh, depending on the type of scheme you're talking about here. So depending on the type of scheme here, I think Trent McDuffie uh, can certainly be an outside cornerback. Um it's just a matter of are you willing to look past that and have it be sort of the, that off-ball type of coverage guy as opposed to a true press corner. Because in off-coverage, this guy's got you know, very good quickness, very good instincts. He reads things out, uses his eyes very well. He attacks um, at, at the catch point. He's a very physical player, even though he's a little bit undersized. And he just plays with his hair, like his hair's on fire every single snap. So I, I think McDuffie, again, I have a first-round grade on him. I think he's a fantastic player. I think he's one of those guys where he doesn't have quite the upside of a Stingley or Gardner just because of the fact that he just doesn't check all the boxes. Again, that size is going to be a bit of an issue for him against certain matchups. But um, if you're just looking for a good, solid, sound football player, I mean, McDuffie's the guy for me in this class. Um, my number four guy here uh, is Kyer Elam out of Florida. I went back and forth with my number four and five because it's just spoiler alert. My number five is Andrew Booth out of Clemson. And the reason I went back and forth on it was because um, it, it's more of a stylistic preference. You know, Kyra Elam, um, a long, rangy cornerback, good, you know, hip fluidity for a guy of his size, about over six feet tall, got good long arms. Um, he's a better man to man corner, I feel like, than Andrew Booth, where Andrew Booth is a good zone cornerback perfect for a cover two scheme where he can kind of play the underneath zone and then attack the line of scrimmage when you know you throw dump offs that direction slants in breaking routes things of that nature elam is is a much better fit for a man coverage scheme where uh, he can play press he can play off coverage um he's he's fluid uh he's got good uh you know close click and close ability to him i i just really like what i saw from that from him out of florida um and i think he's going to have I think he's perfect for a man-to-man -man scheme um, where he can go and use his length and quickness to his advantage to really lock up uh, number. I wouldn't say lock up, but really make things difficult for number one wide receivers in the NFL. I think he's going to be a high-end starter in this league. And the same thing goes for Andrew Booth as well. Again, I really like his game. 
Um, there have been some concerns about some injuries that may cause him to drop in the second round. I'm not sure of the specifics on that, but um, overall, you know, Andrew Booth is somebody that uh, I really like as well. I think his click to close ability and zone coverage is fantastic. Uh, uh, you know, he does a great job of defending the flats. And I, I'm saying that is a huge compliment. You know, that may not be, uh, you know, seen as the toughest assignment, uh, playing underneath zones and stuff, but um, he's a very physical tackler. He's very explosive out of his stance when he's going downhill. And when he gets there to, you know, tackle a running back um, who's catching a uh, pass in the flat or a wide receiver on a quick little hitch route or screen route or whatever. Uh, he, he comes with an attitude and he's not play, afraid to play physical there. So Andrew Booth, he's a very fantastic player in his own right. Um, and if he were to make it to the bears at 39, I mean, I would be very hard pressed not to take him because I think he'd be a perfect fit for what Eberflus is looking at his cornerbacks there. So those are my top five in this class where there are any other corners in this area, you know, maybe not first round, but second round that uh, were kind of like honorable mentions for you. Uh, you say before we get on to our sleepers and um, uh, overhyped prospects. Yeah. You know, well, first things first, let me just say really good rankings there, but like I said, this cornerback class is just so interesting. Now, I certainly have to say that Elam is an intriguing, intriguing case study for me because there's just so much potential there for me. But in terms of looking at a name that I think should probably be an honorable mention, I would definitely have to say Kyler Gordon from Washington. Now, when you look at the Pac-12, obviously, certainly a conference that tend to be polarizing at times. But I think when you look at Kyler Gordon, you know, what I like really like about him is that he's a really explosive player and just an explosive athlete overall. Okay. I think he just tends to move really well, both in man and zone coverage. And then the production there in terms of ball skills, as well as tackling certainly does stick out on tape. And then when you look at just how he's built, you can definitely see, okay, he's a player that a team is going to get away with by moving both inside and outside and one thing that I find to be so interesting about Kyler Gordon is that his football IQ really just rounds him out and makes him a pretty solid prospect overall so is he a player that is overly dynamic by any means like some of the top names in this class absolutely not but overall just a solid well-rounded prospect that I think if he falls into the right situation and can stay healthy, he'll have a long NFL career. Yeah. I was going to say Kyler Gordon as well. I mean, I think he's a, uh, he's very close to breaking my top five. Uh, he was right outside as my number six guy in this class, but uh, I think he's an elite athlete for the position. Didn't run quite as fast as I thought he was. He was a, he was a four or five corner um, that four or five forty dot guy um, from what I've seen at this pro day and combine. I thought he was going to be closer to four, four, um, four three range, you know, upper four three. But with that said, he's he tested elite in pretty much every other category you could have absolutely po uh, possibly ask for in a cornerback prospect. So I mean, this guy has the ability to play outside, he can play inside. Uh, Washington had a very nice duo of corners there this past couple of years with uh, Gordon and McDuffie there. So two very talented players. All right, let's get to our sleepers here for this draft class, guys. That uh, maybe going a little bit later in the draft class, not guys that so they'll be in the first or second round. Um, who is your sleeper in this draft class? You said. Yeah. So I've got the two sleepers here, but I'm just going to name one. And so, well, I'll name the other one too and briefly break him down. 
but I've got Chase Lucas as my primary sleeper from Arizona State. You know, Chase Lucas is a guy that's kind of been on my radar for the last couple of years. Someone who's been on this podcast before, Cole Topham, actually covers Chase at Arizona State. And, you know, it's interesting because when you look at Chase Lucas, what I see is a player who's just a really good run defender who is not by any means a great athlete. He's really a true technician. Lucas does lack the necessary elite speed at times to be able to play the cornerback position effectively, but just his ability to excel in coverage, the projection, the production that he's had in terms of ball skills, and then just his ability to be a solid tackler in the open field, combine that with his versatility. And then he just plays much bigger than he is. I think Chase Lucas is a name to watch as someone that could really fit into Matt Eberflus' team as a hidden gem. And then the second sleeper that I've got, and I'm going to touch on him briefly, is Marcus Jones from Houston. Now, Jones is interesting because he's only 5'7", 5'8", and you know he does play much bigger than he is. He's only about 175 pounds. But the point is he plays bigger than he is. He's tough, he's physical, he's a scrappy cornerback. But ultimately, the thing that I think is going to push Jones down boards, and Tony Pauline kind of mentioned this too a couple weeks ago when he was on the show, is that the issue with Jones is that his inability to basically stay healthy, he just had shoulder surgery, is a major red flag that I think all teams are going to consider when evaluating him. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Yeah, Marcus Jones is one of my favorite cornerbacks in this class because, I mean, he is undersized and the injury issues are certainly, uh, they are worrisome. And I think that's going to scare maybe some teams off to where, you know, maybe he's a guy that should go in day two. Maybe he drops into day three because of those concerns. But man, he's got, he's got some of the best tape in this class for cornerbacks. I mean, this guy flies around, he's physical. Um, he's got really good ball skills, really good instincts. Like he has everything. It's just the, the size um, and the durability. I mean, he's kind of like, he reminds me a little bit of Bryce Callahan in a way. Bryce Callahan, I mean, say what you want. I mean, when he was with the Bears, he was one of the elite slot cornerbacks in the entire NFL when he was here. He just he just couldn't stay in the damn field because there's always some type of injury going on where he, he just couldn't get on the field. And um, so he put it together in 2018. He was one of the best cornerbacks, slot cornerbacks in all football in 2018, had an elite season was a huge reason why the Bears had as much success as they did on defense that year. And I feel like Marcus Jones is very similar um, in, in terms of skill set, in terms of athletic ability. 
Um, very, very intriguing player. Now, for me, I have another cornerback here that probably should be getting some day two props, but I, I've seen um, you know some other draft analysts, analysts a little bit lower on me. Some are higher on me uh, than me on this guy, but I'm going to go with Martin Emerson out of uh, Mississippi State. And um, one, I think this is a player that the Bears will likely target in this draft uh, in the third round because he is – He's got the perfect skill set, I think, for what Iberflus is looking for in his quarterbacks. I mean, this guy has very long arms, 33-inch uh, arms. He's six foot two. Uh, he is big. He is long. Um, he's not afraid to play physical. Um, and he is extremely smart in zone coverage. So I, I think uh, that's one of the things that uh, really impressed me about Emerson. This guy, you know, he, he played in a zone system at Mississippi State, a zone-heavy system. Uh, on defense there. And so he's used to being able to communicate responsibilities to his other defensive backs, um, you know, passing off receivers to other uh, zones um, and, you know, playing multiple receivers in the same play, reading routes, reading uh, route combinations to make plays on the ball, anticipate things like he is very, very smart with that. And, you know, he did a real, real, relatively good job despite playing his own scheme of shutting down his area of the field. Um, in college. And, you know, there are some concerns about his overall athleticism and speed, but he ran a four five forty, I think at the combine, I believe, uh, which is more than good enough for a guy of his size. Again, as long as he's under that four, six threshold, I, I think he's fine for the size that he has. Um, you know, Emerson, I feel like in a, in a zone scheme that can protect his long speed a little bit, he could really flourish because he's got the length. He's got the instincts. Um, he, he has really nice ability to break on the ball. And he, he's a guy that needs to add, similar to Sauce Gardner, he needs to add a little bit of weight onto his frame as well because he does have a tendency to, you know, he, he's not afraid to play the run, but he just doesn't have the, the weight to hold up against blocks, to shed blocks, and his tackling can be very inconsistent because of it. So he needs to add some muscle onto his frame, I think, if he's going to be successful at the next level. But he's just a very smart player, uh, very heady player, much better athlete than I think he gets credit for. And I think in the right situation where the bear situation, I think is very good for him because of the scheme fit. Um, he could have an excellent career and be a long-term starter for a team that's looking for him. Um, I have a, a late second round, early third round grade on him. I think he's going to be excellent. I wouldn't surprise me though, if he goes later in the third round, because teams may question um, his overall athletic package because he hasn't really done a ton of testing and he only ran a four five forty at uh, the NFL combine at the scouting combine. So um, yeah, we'll see where he goes when it's all said and done. But again, I, I'm a really big fan of that, uh, Martin Emerson's game. Um, now we talked about some sleepers here. Let's get into some overhyped prospects for uh, this class. And you say, I'll go back to you again. Uh, who is your number one over overhyped prospect for this cornerback class? Yeah, so for me, it's going to be Alabama cornerback Josh Joby. When you look at Josh Joby overall, I mean, I understand Alabama is about as talented as it gets in terms of being an NFL pipeline, but Joby was a guy that was there for multiple seasons. And, you know, look, he put it together in some areas, but some areas I think he's really lacking. Now, when you look at Joby overall, I mean, I understand, like, look, he's a big physical cornerback okay and you certainly see the physicality show up on tape at times when he is tackling players but then also the big thing with him is this is that there are times where it's like he gets way too aggressive 
And the aggressiveness, I want to say, is it's not necessarily a bad thing, but he also gets way too aggressive at times, which just tends to lead to these costly penalties that you know are just the results of him being over-aggressive and just sometimes bad hand placement, bad technique. So, you know, Joby's a player that has he shown us that he can play at a high level? Yes, but there's a couple things to clean up there. And, you know, we, we have to understand something. It's like scout the player, not necessarily the helmet. And I think Joby's a classic case to that. Yeah, Joby out of Alabama, certainly a guy that I'm not as high on either. I've seen some awesome of him in the third round. I, I think he's a day three guy. Uh, but for me, another prospect here that's been getting some hype uh, lately to be a day two pick that I, I don't think that should be the case is Tariq Woolen out of Texas San Antonio. Now, keep in mind here, this is I'm not saying this is he's a bad prospect by any means. Um, but Wool, he's getting a ton of hype as someone's going to be rising up draft boards and into day two's discussion because this guy is an absurd athlete for you know the position here. He, he ran a 4 3 40 at the scouting combine or in the four threes at the scouting combine, a 42 inch vertical. And this guy is you know, over six feet tall, 33 inch arms. Like this guy was made in a lab to play cornerback, it seems. But he, here's the thing though, this guy is raw as it gets for a cornerback prospect um he he's only played the position for two years here and you can tell you watching him on film like uh this guy gets he gets roasted pretty pretty consistently here on tape and again he's playing in a small conference here so he's not going up against sec wide receivers here where it's the best of the best first round type of talents week in week out like you're gonna get burned uh, if you're in the sec and playing these guys and weekend on a weekly basis because there's just so much talent there not quite the case there he's in a small conference and you know it's one of those things where i think he relies a ton on his athletic ability and the instincts and the recognition just isn't and, and the technique especially isn't there yet isn't there yet whatsoever you know i think he'd be a a great dart throw on you know day three and talk about in the fourth round here early fourth round um i'm all in on Tariq Woolen in that area of the draft because the athletic gifts that he has, like you cannot teach what he has in terms of the uh, athleticism, the length, the size, like it is, it is very impressive uh, for him as an athlete, but as a cornerback, as a player, uh, he has a long ways away before I think he's ready to be a, a starting caliber player in the league. I think he needs about a year of seasoning here to kind of sit and learn on the bench and maybe contribute as a special teamer um, as he works on his technique and gets stronger and, you know, learns the game a little bit because he's, again, he's not used to playing the position at cornerback here, but again, there is a ton of upsides for equal, but I mean, I've heard a lot of talk about him going in the third round, maybe sneaking into the second round from some, um, but you know, if a team takes Tariq Woolen, you know, early third round, late second round, I'm I'm questioning that decision right there because, again, I see the upside. I see what, you know, the physical tools that he has to work with here, and that does get me excited. But, you know, this guy is – he is raw. He is like a, a moldable ball of clay here, but there is a lot of molding to do here before he's ready to be a finished product. And that's just one of the things I worry about him as a day two prospect. Again, early day three – Love that value there. Anywhere in day two, I, I'm not a huge fan of making that selection there. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the 
poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Um, so now that we've gone through some of the major names in this class, you said uh, we kind of touched on it earlier, but now we should probably go over, you know, with quarterback being as needy as it is for the Bears here uh, on this current depth chart, what we think the strategy should be for the Bears in this draft. So you say, and I'll start with you. Uh, what would, how would you go about addressing this, uh, the quarterback position in this draft? And what do you think the Bears will end up doing uh, when it's all said and done here? Yeah, so I look at this you know, the draft board in general, just across all the prospects. And I'm going to say this is that I think with 39 and 48 in round two, cornerback absolutely needs to be on the table. And I, I want to say something. People may not like it, but if the opportunity to draft a cornerback comes before a wide receiver, the Bears would, depending on what's left that wide receiver, the Bears would be foolish to not consider drafting cornerback first and then addressing wide receiver. Now, when I see these comments on social media, the big thing that I totally to see is that everyone's talking about the bears absolutely have to draft a wide receiver in round two. And I totally agree. But also I think people have just conditioned themselves to think at this point that the bears are going to be drafting a wide receiver at 39, which again, we don't know until April 29th. Okay. So you have to go ahead and you have to draft a cornerback in round two, and then consider grabbing another cornerback as well as some talent that can be developed in either the fifth or sixth round. I know the good news about the fifth round for the bears is that they're picking at, I believe 147 and 149. And then again, in the sixth round at 184. So I would draft the cornerback on day two, but also day three, just to kind of continue to add to this room, because I think what's going to happen is when you get to August and these roster cuts are being finalized, some of these Ryan Pace draft picks like a Kendall Vildor and a Duke Shelley, they honestly, I think, are on the outside looking in right now in terms of making this roster. And so just if Iberflus is going to have his defense realize its full potential, which I think is going to be in another year or so, it's going to start with kind of overhauling the system and getting the players that he needs right now. Yeah, cornerback is a little bit weird because it's one of those positions on the defensive side of the ball where I think the Bears would benefit from significantly addressing here. It's one of the very few positions where I think they should significantly invest in because I do, I'm do. i one of those in the camp where I do think the Bears should make this draft pretty much all about addressing the offense and getting that fixed and getting some help for Justin Fields for, for once, you know, because he just hasn't had a lot here, um, you know, going back to his rookie season. So, um you know, when I look at this cornerback room, this cornerback class, again, you know, I think it is a, a spot where I think they could get a good value in the second or third round with one of those three picks that they have here. Now, I do think wide receiver and offensive line should be the top priority for them. So if they can trade down, maybe get you know, an additional fourth round pick, maybe take a swing on one of these freaky athletic types like a Tariq Woolen or a Zion McCollum um, out of Sam Houston State, Sam Houston State I believe. Um, some of these guys that, you know, play at smaller schools, but tested, you know, very, very like absurdly well um, in the, in the pre-draft process. Like I'm all in on that because, um, you know, take a swing. I got the high upside and see if Eberflus and his coaching staff can develop them. I have no problem with that. Um, but, you know, I wouldn't also be mad if they decided to, let's say, um, you know, Kyler Gordon or a Roger McCreer, who I, I'm not sure he's a scheme fit, but, um, you know, let's just say for argument's sake that a guy of his caliber 
you know, falls to them in the second round or Andrew Booth, there's been some rumor that he can make it to them in the second round. You know, if one of those players makes it down to them there, I would not be opposed to them just, you know, saying like, Hey, this is a position of need. This is the best player on our board. Let's take him right here and, you know, develop him as another cornerback for us in our, in our system here. I, I would not be opposed to that either because cornerback is, you know, it is a valuable impact position that you need to have addressed. So um, I, I wouldn't be mad with that either. Um, ultimately, I think what's going to end up happening is I think, you know, the first three picks for this Bears team in this upcoming draft is going to be, we're going to see one wide receiver, we're going to see one offensive lineman, and we're going to see one cornerback taken, you know, whatever order that is, I'm not sure, but I think one of those, I think with one of those picks, cornerback will be addressed in those first three picks on day two, maybe they trade back from one of those picks and, and you know, you know, try to see if they can get some value on it. Uh, later in the second or third round there. But I, I do think we're going to see a cornerback taken on day two. But, you know, it's possible that uh, they may take another swing on day three as well. But I just think that they're going to be focusing on offense here. But again, if they're going to go defense. Cornerback is the way to go, certainly, for uh, this upcoming draft. So with that said, I think that's going to wrap it up for us here at Picks for Polls for this episode, breaking down this cornerback class. Obviously a very talented class and we're looking forward to seeing, you know, if the bears are going to add any talent uh, to this cornerback depth chart as we get closer and closer to the draft in late April here, as we, as again, we're only about three weeks away. So it's, it's definitely coming up, but um, as we get close to the NFL draft, make sure to like rate subscribe to us on all podcasting platforms uh, here at picks for polls and the bear report as a whole Um, and make sure to follow us on social media, on Twitter, at Picks for Polls, that's our Twitter handle that you can uh, follow us there. Uh, you say, where can our listeners follow you and find your work uh, on social media? Yeah, guys, you can follow me on Twitter at Postal. Check out my work on the Bear Report. I know all throughout last week I was kind of just dropping um, wide receiver scouting reports, so definitely check those out to just get the full scope of what to expect from this wide receiver class as well as the individual players. Yeah, absolutely. Make sure to check out Usain's work. As for me, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at AGFreeman25. Uh, you can check out my work on the Bear Report as well. Make sure to follow the Bear Report on YouTube and subscribe there. Uh, Zach Pearson, our publisher, uh, and I are doing film breakdowns for some of the Bears free agency signings. And then once we get through the draft, we're going to be focusing on some of the, Bear, uh, some of the uh, Bears draft picks that we'll eventually get to see um, after the 2022 NFL draft does take place so if you're into some film breakdowns for those guys make sure to check this check us out on youtube and make sure to subscribe there as for my work on the bear report again you can find my work on the bear report i'm going to be doing a ton of scouting reports this upcoming month i had my first one come out a couple days ago uh, where i dropped a scouting report on wide receiver from memphis calvin austin make sure to check that out and i have a couple more coming up this upcoming week as well which you can check out uh, with one more at the wide receiver position which i won't uh, spoiled here yet, but uh, just going to tease that coming up here that there's another wide receiver that I'm going to be breaking down at the Bear Report um, coming up shortly here. So once again, I want to thank all of our listeners for tuning in to today's episode here and for tuning into all of our episodes here at Picks for Polls as we get closer and closer to draft day. Uh, we're going to be continuing on in our next episode of uh, getting through our positional previews as we get closer and closer to the draft. So make sure to bear with us, Bears fans, as we get through those. Uh, it's an exciting couple of weeks here as we get through these and as we get closer to 
uh, the draft here. And the anticipation, I think, is going to be rising and rising as we get closer to that. So uh, have a great weekend, Bears fans. Uh, have a lot of fun. Be safe. And we'll be talking to you guys next week with more positional previews coming up. Uh, Bear Down Bears fans, have a great night.